Anne. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Have You Ever Heard Of, a history podcast. Where we talk about people from history you may not have heard of. Yes, my mic did not screw up. That Your time. haunted mic. My haunted mic. Everyone, we just did that three times because <laughs> my mic is messing up. So, yeah, this mic needs to be replaced. How are you? Yeah, good. So, mine today is very weird. Um, not weird, actually. It's interesting because of... Well, you'll see. You didn't ask me how I was. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Katie? I'm okay, apart from my mic being haunted. I'm living in the world of interviews. I've had multiple interviews and there are more coming. And I just hate it because um, I don't like doing interviews. Well, I don't mind them. I just want to know, you know, what, where my money is coming from. Because my mm. current job finishes in two weeks tomorrow. So, um, yeah, that's stressful. I really don't like doing interviews. I don't like um, talking about myself. I hate having to talk myself up. I'm not very good at it. Yeah, I, I feel like a, I've got like imposter syndrome. I feel like yeah, a fraud. I totally have that. Which at this point we probably shouldn't have. I do actually have lots of experience in what I'm applying for. Mm. But I just, I still feel like an imposter. Anyway... Should I talk about my person and then yes. we can chat, chat more at the end yeah. if you guys want to hear us chat. <laughs> so, have you ever heard of V.C. Andrews? No, I haven't. Who, 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 who is V.C. Andrews? Uh, V.C. Andrews is best known for being a very, very prolific author. V.C. Andrews is was active from the 1970s all the way mm-hmm. up till today. Okay. So is he so is he still alive? Is that what we're saying? He's a living he's living history. I didn't say it was a him. You just assumed that. Yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's really bad considering VC Andrews is women. Okay, so ah, let me just talk about VC Andrews. Awful. Well, I say VC Andrews is women, but <laughs> let's just get into it. <laughs> so Cleo Virginia Andrews, so they did the whole name swappy thing, mm-hmm. was born on the sixth of June nineteen twenty-three in Portsmouth, Virginia. She was the youngest child and only daughter of her parents who were called Lillian Parker and William Henry Andrews. She was a telephone operator and um, he was a tool maker, so working class family. She had two older brothers, William Jr. and Eugene. So imagine people like William Jr. and then you're called <laughs> Eugene. You're just like... I'm going to call her Virginia even though her first real name is, is Cleo because... That's her, like, writing name is Virginia Andrews, V.C. Andrews. Okay. And Virginia is a very cool name. Yeah, so that's, yeah. She grew up attending church, first Baptist and then Methodist. She spent her childhood years in Portsmouth. Um, they briefly lived in Rochester, New York, but then they moved back to Portsmouth while she was in high school. While she was at school, she fell down a stairwell and this caused her a severe back injury. Um, oh, and this led to her being played with arthritis for like the rest of her life and she was in pain for like ever for like her whole life she used crutches and then a wheelchair and at one point she was even in a full body cast so it was pretty bad like a mummy yeah but like not funny yeah in any way not not in a a comical way (laughs) so family members apparently remember that virginia lived her adult life with no neck movement at all as well. And, yeah. So that like was just... Batman. Like, she just couldn't... Yeah, exactly like Batman. 
And this is that's the twist actually. She's Batman. That's <laughs> <laughs> not the twist. That was weird to me about Batman. Like, because he's how is he an effective crime fighter? He can't move his neck. He has to move his entire body. Like that's well. The thing is, Batman Sorry. is cool because he doesn't have any superpowers. He's just rich. Yeah. That's a superpower, and I kind of love that that he just. But he's created a suit that's just like an impediment to him. Yeah, though I think um, didn't in the in the Dark Knight Rises didn't he create a new suit that was more like breathable? Yeah, it's true. Anyway, that was anyway, a little depending detail. on what you think is canon, I guess. <laughs> so, um, she excelled at school. She skipped both third and sixth grades. Mm. At fifteen, she won a scholarship for writing a parody of Tennyson's "Idols of the King." <laughs> she earned her high school diploma from Woodrow Wilson High School in Portsmouth. But her main passion at that time was art. She had always been a great artist. She um, completed a four-year correspondence course from her home because, obviously, like she has mobility issues at this point. And then she began her career as an illustrator, portrait painter, and also a scene fashion designer. But I don't know if that was just like fashion drawings, not designing clothes. Yeah. Like, still illustrations, I think. Okay. Just something in their, like, scrapbook. And they were like, ah, she's a pretty skilled in that area yeah, as well. exactly. So um, her father then died in 1957 from a sudden heart attack. Virginia and her mother left Portsmouth to live near one of her brothers in Missouri and then moved from that brother to the other one who lived in Arizona. And that's pretty harsh. Like in America, even now. So Virginia started providing for her and her mother, basically. She was like, oh, became wow. the breadwinner. Oh, and she never married herself. She never found her true love. She started writing in secret first. Um, she actually wrote her first manuscript was autobiographical, but she actually destroyed it because she wanted to keep her private life private. Um, and when she officially switched from art to writing, she was already 55. In 1972, she completed her first novel, Gods of Green Mountain, which was a science fiction story. It was never published then. But mm-hmm. now it's published as an ebook, so you can actually read it. Um, and between 72 and 79, she wrote nine novels and 20 short stories. So were they all around like um, science fiction? Or... No, that was her only science fiction novel. Okay. So um, between that time, like I said, um, according to a pitch letter, which some fans have found, she sold three gothic romances. Um, on her own under a pen name without an agent or anything and then she also like wrote confession stories so you know how like some confession stories in magazines are just fake Mm -hmm. and there's one called I slept with my uncle on my wedding night (laughs) which was published (laughs) in sort of pulp um, confession magazine which obviously was just fiction. She then sent a pitch letter to Anita Deamand, a literary agent with the Writer's Workshop um, on the 13th of January, 1978. So the, the agent replied within three days, having read the whole novel. That's impressive. Just devoured it in three days and got, got her reply out. Places sources state that the book was originally called The Obsessed, which her publisher thought that she could spice up a bit um, and retitle. Later, Andrews denied that this book was called The Obsessed to start with and said that there was a whole separate novel. But I don't think we even have any evidence either way. Okay. 
most people think it was just an original title for this book. So the book became Andrew's probably most famous work called Flowers in the Attic. Oh, okay. You probably heard of it. Yeah, it's yeah. incredibly famous. It was published in 1979 and became a bestseller and topped the charts in only two weeks, which is incredibly fast. Flowers in the Attic tells the story of four siblings, Kathy, Corey, Carrie, and Chris, who are imprisoned in the attic by their grandmother and mother. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> that I mean, that's not really a spoiler, but it's kind of a spoiler that the mother was involved. You only found that out like halfway oh, okay, through. Then. Sorry. So it's a it's a, like a gothic horror. It's told mm-hmm. from the perspective of Kathy, who is the teenage daughter, in the attic for I think it's three years and and a couple of months. Oh yes, Charlotte read this. She was like, rec- she recommended it to me a few years ago, and I still haven't read it. Sorry, carry on. It's it's um it's one of those books that will stay with you. For the rest of your life, mm. I promise you. So Kathy, um, Chris is the oldest, and then there's Kathy and there's two twins who are younger. Mm. And obviously they're growing, so their growth is like really stilted. Mm-hmm. And they don't get like the right nutrition. Like they literally don't go outside the attic for years. Yeah. And then Chris and Kathy, the two teenagers, get into like a sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, the one sexual experience is basically akin to Chris Rabe mm. and Kathy, though she actually kind of forgives him and they actually get into a romantic relationship. And that's kind of where the book ends. They escape and mm-hmm. they form like a kind of family unit, like almost with the younger kids as their children. Okay. And they run off. So every year thereafter, um, Angie's published a new novel. Each publication and Andrew's advance, more and more advances and growing readership. So, Flowers in the Attic was the first in the series called the the Dolan Gallery series, which is the the surname of the the family Dolan Ganger. Um, so you've got Flowers in the Attic, Petals on a Wind, If There Be Thorns, Seeds of Yesterday, and Garden of Sorrows. So they're all kind of following the same thing kathy's the main protagonist from her perspective in the first three or four and then i think in the last one or even the last two i can't remember it moves on to her children perspective oh, wow. so it follows like it follows a whole generational thing oh, interesting um so the success of the series brought something andrews desperately needed money mm-hmm. and freedom so she could now travel make new friends, and just have a generally better life. So, uh, without giving too much away, like, what is the kind of, like, trajectory of the family following the obviously traumatic events of being locked Well, I've in already there? ruined the first one, so I might as well ruin the rest. I mean, it kind of follows, because um, Kathy's a ballet dancer, mm-hmm. um, so she wants to, like, kind of follow that path, and she tries to kind of get away from Chris in the, in the next book. Mm-hmm. And, and form a new relationship with someone else and and then he tries to do something but they can never really get away from each other um, their weird brother sister slash yeah. love love relationship and then yeah that kind of goes on for a bit and then they just kind of decide to be together and move to another and change their name and, and pretend they're not brother and sister mm-hmm. so and then obviously like the last one is about the secrets and whether it's not going to come whether it's going to come out oh so like the there's future generations like their incest children, essentially. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, it's a messed up series. Do you know what? I think, I feel like maybe Kathy had a kid with the first, like she had her first husband. I've been listening to uh, quite a few 
true crime podcast recently. So this this is making this is see, it's like seeming or uh, probably a lot more harrowing. I mean, like it is just really harrowing, but just a little bit more harrowing than it would normally. Yeah, it's <laughs> so basically the harrowingness of them made them popular. Yeah, because there's never really been something like this before. Yeah, because kind of gothic pro- horror that's... thriller romance told yeah. from a first-person perspective. Anyway, let me just read this quote from Andrews because she said of her writing, "I think I tell a whopping good story, and I don't drift away." from it a great deal into deceptive material. When I read, if a book doesn't hold my interest in what's going to happen next, I put it down and I don't finish it. So I'm not going to let anybody put down one of my books and not finish them. My stuff is a very fast read. So I think she knows that she's writing like pulp fiction that's like gripping, but also gripping because it's like so wrong. (laughs) I don't think there's anything bad about that though. I mean like... uh... No, I agree. That's absolutely like, like uh, that is essentially what I was taught to do. Like during, like I did creative writing, obviously, as an undergrad before I did history, um, and that was part of like what I was taught. Just to, it's it was like the two things I thought I think I was taught was basically like big concept and yeah, just make it a fast read, which is not at all what I read now. I mean, I actually really enjoy these books and I like mm-hmm. interspersing fast reads into long reads. Yeah. Like I'm reading a heavy sci-fi at the moment, which takes a long time because sometimes you read a page and you're like, I didn't understand any of that physics. Yeah. Um, and you like go back. Um, but sometimes I, I, you know, throw in like a, a quick read that yeah. I just know is going to be fast and I'm going to enjoy. I know it's like a top university. So like, if you want to get noticed and you want to get your book published, you need to be big concepts and like fast read. You can probably, if you like, if you manage to make it through that, then you can maybe write something a bit more like daring later on. But you need to like get that hook in first. Yeah. That's what you're taught. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so she also talked about critics. She said, I don't care what critics say. I used to until I found out that most critics are would-be writers who are just jealous because I'm getting published and they aren't. Amen. I also don't think that anybody cares about what they say, nor should they care. I agree that people shouldn't care what critics say. If you like a book, if you like music, if you like film, you like it. It doesn't matter who else likes it. But I do think critics have a very important job in that it is their job to write about film and it is hard to make that interesting and it is creative. Yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah, I definitely kind of pick up interesting stuff that's like useful from reviews. But then again, I think the main reason I read like um, reviews now is like I'll, I'll read it like after I've watched like a film or like a series or read a book or whatever, mainly so I can like disagree with what they've written. Yeah, I, I do write like some reviews sometimes like fiction reviews but that's just for me really Mm. to like hash out in my head what i thought of the book anyway and also to get free books um (laughs) um okay so halfway through the dollam gang series she paused to write um a standalone book book called my sweet aldrina this was Mm -hmm. in 1982 which had similar themes to flowers in the attic included including lurid prose Teenage sex and rape. Oh boy. She likes that, doesn't she? It would seem. She's kind of digging that. She said in an interview that people assumed that she'd been, like, abused or something. Mm -hmm. But that just wasn't true. She just 
obviously got what like with the publication of flowers in the attic and the theme she understood what people were coming to her for and that's what she provided so then andrews began another series the castile series um most of these are the surnames of the family that Mm -hmm. are like involved this is in 1985 Series followed a troubled family in West Virginia and is told from the viewpoint of Heaven, a teenager, um, and later switches to the perspective of Heaven's daughter. So similar to Flowers in the Attic. Okay. So we've got Heaven in 1985, Dark Angel in 1986, and then three other novels. Andrew's made extensive notes on this series, she always did. And then something kind of threw a spanner in the works. On the 19th of December 1986, Andrews died of breast cancer. She was 63. Oh, no. She was buried in Olive Branch Cemetery in Portsmouth, Virginia, where she spent her most beloved childhood years. At the time of her death, accomplishments of a writer were, were great. She had over 24 million books in print, and her books were translated into Dutch, German, Hebrew, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, and many other languages. Her estimated estate was $8 million. Wow. Before she passed away, Virginia's dreams of becoming an actress had actually come to realisation when she appeared as a silent cameo as a window-scrubbing maid in the first film version of Flowers in the Attic. The movie, written and directed by Jeffrey Bloom and produced by Friars Entertainment, was released on the 20th of November 1987, almost a year after her death. So, what happens after her death? I, I said at the beginning here that her books were still being published up till today so the vc andrews name was a brand at this point uh-huh. so her estate and her publisher decided to hire a ghostwriter to write under her name to finish the first of all to finish the castile series uh-huh. so basically they hired this guy and his name is andrew niederman and he finished the scripts they started so he finished the Castile series, which was Garden of Shadows, Fallen Hearts, and they were published soon afterwards. So Fallen Hearts was started by Andrews and finished by Nidoram. And then the next two, Gates of Paradise and Web of Dreams, were inspired by Andrews. Like, they had notes and stuff by Andrews, yeah. but they were finished by Nidoram. Okay. So they were published soon after her, her passing. So... Andrew Niederman was born on the 26th of October 1940, <laughs> making him about 17 years younger than Andrews. He was born in New York. He is a graduate of State University of Albany, where he received his master's in English. He taught at Fallsburg High School for 23 years before leaving to pursue a career as a novelist and screenwriter. He himself is a writer under his own name and is most famous for writing The Devil's Advocate, which was adapted into a film starring Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. Uh. Good and um, Charlie's Throne. Uh, however, I'm not going to talk about his work because this isn't about him. This is about VC Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> With the success of the Castile series, Niederman continued to work under the VC Andrews name as well as under his own. He began by an- analysing Andrews' style. He said, In effect, I was doing a research paper. I first looked at the syntax and the sentence structure. Okay. Um, thanks to The Guardian for that quote, by the way. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm going to start talking about the series. I am going to name them all, of which there are many. So please make even our noises when I, <laughs> when I name them all. Um, so we've got, obviously, the Castile series was finished in 1988. Then yeah. we have the Cutler series, which was written entirely by Niedermann. Um, the first is called Dawn, which was published in 1990. And then 
Secrets of the Morning, Twilight's Child, Midnight Whispers, and Darkest Hour. So these were like without any notes, just straight off his own back. Well, we'll come to that. Okay. Um, the series covers nearly 80 years of the history of the Cutler family. The first three books follow Dawn from her childhood to her marriage, and then the last two follow her um, daughter, and then they go back in time to talk about her grandmother. So it kind of covers 80 years overall. Mm-hmm. Kind of in a kind of sequel, prequel thing. Okay. As you may be able to tell, the series follow a similar theme. Families or teenagers in fraught situations, love, lust, growing up. Some also cover themes of living in foster homes, being an orphan or being on the run. Think Jacqueline Wilson, but for the older generation. (laughs) So in 1994, the Andrews estate sued um, Internal Revenue Service over taxes because... Because, like, V.C. Andrew's name is an asset, there was, mm-hmm. like, some weird tax stuff going on. I'm not really sure. I didn't, couldn't bother to look into the case. But it was, like, yeah, there was some toing and froing between the estate, like, her family, and um, the Inland Revenue, or whatever it's called. So, yeah, that happened. And at that point, Needleman was a major witness for the, for the case. And at that point, her fans found out that Andrews had died and somebody else was writing the books. Because at that point, they it's not like it was a big secret, but it was like they were trying to keep it on the DL. Yeah. So, um, oh, so wow. yeah, that, that happened, but it didn't, it didn't diminish the popularity mm-hmm. of the books at all. Um, so here we have a list of the series, and I am going to list 22 series. <laughs> The, the Andrew Neidemann. This is series. I'm talking about at least two, usually more like five books that Neidemann has written under the VC Andrews name. So we've got um, the Landry series, the Logan series, the Orphan series, the Wildflower series, the Hudson series, which um, was originally 2000 to 2001, but then there was a another book released when the movie came out. We've got the Shooting Stars series, the De Beers series, um, some of which in that particular series featured letters from other characters and other V.C. Andrews novels, such as Ruby Landry and Annie Stonewall. Broken Wings, Gemini, Shadows, Early Spring. Um, That's the only series where the main character is not a teenager. It's a okay. six to seven year old. Um, Secrets, Delia, Heavenstone, Kindred, March Family, Forbidden, the Diary series, which is 2014 to 2015. And these are essentially carrying on the Dollenganger series. They are Chris's diaries, which are found by a new generation of people from the family and spark a new interest in the story. Then we've got the Mirror Sisters, the girls from Spindrift, the House of Secrets, and most recently, the Attic series, which is once again a Dollingana series, and it's a prequel about the grandparents. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think, I don't know whether whether this was because it's like an anniversary, it's like 40 (laughs) years since 2019 was like 40 years. That's an interesting place to go. But does that mean that he's written more series than... That's so weird. He's written like a hundred more books than she did. <laughs> That's so strange. 
that so he has written her name. He has written 22 series um, under the VC Andrews name, um, not including the first two, which were started by Andrews, mm-hmm. um, under that name, which is many more than Andrews herself. That's... There's also seven standalone novels, only one of which um, was written by Andrews, two books of short stories, which are inspired by Andrews' artwork, but all written by Niederman. Mm. Um, so Niederman also wrote a stage adaptation of Flowers in the Attic, based on the novel, um, and published um, in 2014. It was premiered in New Orleans in August 2015. Um, and, yeah, so that's play. V.C. Andrews' brand is one of the largest literary franchises and the longest currently running literary franchise in the world. Um, since Niederman began his V.C. Andrews' authorship, the franchise has gone from about 30 million books worldwide to 106 million V.C. Andrews has been published independently in 95 countries and translated in 24 languages. Niederman is basically the most successful ghostwriter in history. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> so, uh, you know Lifetime, the, the TV-like channel? Uh-huh. So Lifetime have made 10 of her books... I say her books. They have ten, made 10 of their books into films. And four more are due this year, mainly of the Dollenganger series uh, and one of My Sweet Old Dreamer, which was written by Andrews, as I said. So what's the appeal to these books, really? Hang on, the is the like the sort of films they show on Channel 5? Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> they sort of... I tried watching it once and it was like so bad um, but obviously like I think they've bought like the Dollenganger name so the appeal according to the 1994 tax case says each is written in the first person and featured as its principal character a teenager generally female who was failed and in some way hurt by an adult family member with a warped personality in each the protagonist became the adver- adverse mm, the adversaries visited upon her or him and, at the end of the novel, faced a hopeful future. So basically, V.C. Andrews began young adult. Okay. Like, Flowers in the Attic practically began, like, was like the first teen novel. Mm-hmm. It's a first person, which is very unusual for children's books. Um, and you really get a jump from, like, children's to teen like, children's to adult without a teen genre in between before mm. Flowers in the Attic kind of came out. Think Twilight, Gossip Girl, Vampire Diaries, Hunger Games. A lot of it stems from, like, Flowers in the Attic and Andrew's subsequent novels. Though, then, surely, like, the like the, the issues that she, like, um, addresses are a lot more kind of uh, harsh, harrowing no. than... Seriously, Do they're you? all over teen novels. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, wow. sometimes worse. Yikes, okay then. I, yeah. didn't know, I did not know that. There's kind of two sides of young adults. So mm-hmm. when I worked in a bookshop, someone will come up to me and say, like, I'm looking for a novel for a teen. And I asked them, how old is a teenager? Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between, a, like, 12 to 15-year-old or 12 to 14-year-old mm-hmm. from and then 16 to 19. Yeah. So it's like, you have to really know, like, don't ever go to a teen section and, and just pick <laughs> something up. Like, if you look on the back of the cover, 
it will yeah. usually say not suitable for younger readers if it has anything like sex mm. or blood and guts like hunger games obviously has a lot of blood and guts because when i was working in a primary school we had kids in year four who brought mm-hmm. in the hunger games yeah and even though like i really love uh, those books uh, so much one of the best franchises ever they're not suitable for seven-year-olds <laughs> yeah definitely well it's just basically uh i know this might be sacrilege to some people but basically a ripoff of uh of battle royale and that it, is not it a kind of is yeah but there's a lot of like <laughs> nuance there i mean if you haven't read the books you don't know like the detail mm-hmm. um because obviously the films had to spread i actually think the films are quite good for what mm-hmm. you know for staying true to the book but the detail is really great and the latest one which is a prequel really was so good because it showed the first like the te- it was like the 10th hunger games mm-hmm. so it showed how it started anyway let me just finish this up so it's still unclear how much of the work was outlined by andrews herself she did um an interview once where she said that she had 63 outlines for books but she was actually quite prone to hyperbole and this may be untrue it could be that from after the castillo series it was all needleman yeah which is more likely mm-hmm. so that is where we're at now there are some books due out this year i think from the new dollanganger series big shout out to this website completevca.com which is no longer being updated as of the lo- as of 2018 but still has like everything to do with vc andrews like documents interviews uh bio um that's interesting that's really interesting like should uh should a writer just be a brand well, Is interesting. That right? So one of the things that got me thinking about this was um, Jenny Nicholson, who is an awesome YouTuber, uh-huh. who is like super awesome, cool, nerdy, does stuff about TV, film, um, video games, mm-hmm. a lot of Star Wars stuff. She has this like giant pork that's like bigger than me. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. Everyone should go check out Jenny Nicholson. Anyway, her latest video... <laughs> was, I am not joking, two and a half hours. It's about the Vampire Diaries, the TV series, not the books. And she mentioned that basically the Vampire Diaries, it was never, like, a novel to be a novel. Uh This, like, um, production company were like, we want a series of books about vampires and romance. Hire someone to write it. So they hired the original author to write Vampire Diaries. She wrote the first three or four. Then she wanted the main character to end up with a different person to the one that the production company wanted her to end up with. And so they fired her and got someone else to write under her name. But she didn't own any That's of the mad. stuff because they hired her as like a writer to write the books. Hang on, so does this mean that she can't write any other books under her own name? She can, but not Vampire Diaries books. I think she also wrote um, The Secret Circle, which is another one which I think was, you know, made by a production company and she wrote them. Which is also, I think, Gossip Girl was the same deal. What the hell? Only in America, surely. This is like... It is quite strange that an entity can own you. (laughs) That is just bizarre. Like a piece of you is owned by that entity. Yeah, basically. Your name is like... So the fact that VC Andrews, like when I... Because just a big point here. I did not know this about Virginia Andrews. I thought that she had written all of those books. 
until recently when I... Let me just shout out this book. Okay, it's by a man called Christopher Fowler. It's called Forgotten Authors. And I was flipping through it and I saw Virginia Andrews. And I was like, I haven't forgotten Virginia Andrews. I love Virginia Andrews. Little did I know that Virginia Andrews is actually Andrew Niederman. Um, which is just... It's crazy. So, yeah, that is absolutely bizarre. Considering, like, he, I think he... I saw on his website he'd written like 107, but I don't think his website is very up to date. Um, so that might be more like 120 by now. Books under her name. I mean, I guess have another like instance. Someone tried to write another Bond book. I seem to remember. Well, that's that's exactly. So there are new Bond books. So yeah. there's there's one that's like a new Bond, and then there's a young Bond. But none of those guys pretend to be Fleming. Like it's it like in the style of Fleming, but but it very much says like who the like writer is. And the same with that guy who did. I think it's the guy who writes Midsummer Murder. Is it? Oh, it's Charlie did. Hickson who started the Young Bond series. I think someone else writes it now, but it's Charlie Hickson who started okay. it. Yeah, who's a young and- adult author again? He's like a more young young adult author. He mm-hmm. falls into the kind of I. You know, like twelve to to whenever category, as opposed to the like sixteen to whenever yeah, category. Yeah. And then uh, the Midsummer Murders guy, the guy who writes, I think it's Midsummer Murders, wrote a new Sherlock Holmes book that was, uh, I think that's what he did. I mean, like I have that book somewhere, but but still under his own name, like it's still like uh, it was very present that it was him that wrote it. So it's quite strange that like um, for for Andrews. Like, I'm guessing he's just erased. Like, it's just under her name rather than... Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's a ghost... He's a ghostwriter. I think because the brand, they would have lost all of the, you know, the people that read Andrews under that brand. And I guess once they found out it had been him writing them, they were just like, okay, whatever. Like, I still Hmm. enjoy them. (laughs) So I'm just going to keep reading them. Apparently he writes one every four months. What the hell? Yeah. Imagine that. Writing, that's just a, yeah, a book factory, yes. churning them out on the production line. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, if, you ever, if, if, you ever, if you've ever read a Virginia Andrews book, you might not actually be reading a Virginia Andrews book. Because the, some of them have the name Virginia Andrews on them, and some of them mm-hmm. have VC Andrews. Okay. So it's it's kind of like, but yeah, if you've read the Don and Ganger series, they're all by, well, the first five are all actually by Andrews. And I think, to be fair to her, Flowers in the Attic is the most popular and most profitable one. Mm-hmm. All of the films, like popular films that have come out have been the Flowers in the Attic one. Um, but to be fair to him, like, what a feat to write that many books and still be making hundreds of millions of pounds worth of profit. So like, yeah, I mean they're both they've both got a hand in it and I think that, you know, what a team, considering they never met. But then again, if you're churning out books every four months, it's no surprise they're gonna end up on channel five. <laughs> Lifetime. <laughs> but also he does write books under his own name, which are the more yeah. like the devil's advocate and mm-hmm. Um, I think he wrote the script. So, if you're listening, out. Andrew, please do correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> that is, he's pretty prolific. prolific. I'm impressed because absolutely, no I'm that. very impressed. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so, um, what are you reading at the moment? I am currently reading something 
very dry. I'm reading about um, hang on, what's it called? I it, it's basically about the the British and Canadian army uh, during Normandy, and it's about like how they organized their like how how the invasion was organized, how the forces organized, how they how how the infantry platoon was deployed it's it's very dry it's i'm i'm it's called stout hearts but there's a lot of kind of like like diary entries and stuff like there's a lot of like um first person like accounts from it so it's quite enjoyable i like that sort of stuff though i mean yeah it's dry for some people but it's not dry for you uh what are you reading um, in terms of fiction, I'm reading The Dark Forest, which is the second in the Three Body Problem series, um, which just got picked up on Netflix. Please don't ruin this book, Netflix. Please, 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 please. It's translated <laughs> from Chinese, so I'm wondering whether they're going to have it in Chinese or whether they're going to make it American and just ruin it. Um, I bet it'll be number two. <laughs> yeah, so let's see, shall we? We are watching Succession Series 2. We finished the first series. Very nice. Really good. We're making our way through um, the Great. Which oh yeah, is I it good? Absolutely adore. Yeah, it's see it's our episode funny. on Catherine the yeah. Great. <laughs> is it's yeah genuinely hilarious. The script is incredible. It's done by the same guys that did um, the favorite. So um, it's very much. Oh that. right, um, okay. And like um, Nicholas Holt playing uh, Peter. Yeah, he is fantastic. Oh, Such a awful and pa- fantastic. And then is um, it um, historically accurate? Uh, it says on like the uh, the thing. Like, the this is not historically accurate. <laughs> We're watching all of the Grand Tour as well, which we hadn't seen before. Okay, I love because I love Top Gear. I've always love Top mm-hmm. Gear, and we were just exhausted Top Gear. So like, let's just watch Grand Tour. It's it's exactly the same. It is Top Gear with a bigger budget, <laughs> and like Clarkson can say whatever he wants. Oh boy, is that a good yeah. thing? Not all the time, but <laughs> like, you just have to be like, look, it's Clarkson. That's kind of his appeal. Also, I want to mention that yesterday, as of recording, was Holocaust Memorial Day. It was. Which is the day that Auschwitz was liberated, which was 27th mm-hmm. of January. If you haven't heard the Premier Levy episode, it's not the best quality because it was back when we didn't know how to use editing software probably. <laughs> but it's still incredibly interesting. Um, go and listen to Premier Levy if you are interested in it. At some point I'll do another one focused on the Holocaust, but um, I don't want to plague you with my research too much <laughs> um so yeah also go and onto the reader library website have a look around read their blogs listen to their podcasts etc yeah do it and uh oh and while you're on podcasts you can rate us five stars please it really helps with the algorithm if you don't like this podcast don't rate us just don't listen to us yeah thank you very much move on move There's on with your lives of other, plenty of other podcasts out there no Listen to our podcast, please. Um, and <laughs> follow us. See, we're so good at plugging. At Have You Ever Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, do it. Do it, people. And see you next time. Bye. Bye.